0: Alright everyone, welcome back to the Sometimes Sensical Podcast, or four friends exchange notes on life. I'm James Wengler.
1: I'm Grant Rasmussen.
0: And I'm Shadrach
2: Biggs.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, unfortunately Shadrach is not with us, so he's duck hunting. Is that correct? That's what it sounded like. Sad. I didn't really know that was something he
2: was into. Maybe it's because he I, has... Uh, I've never gone duck hunting. He's got those two half poodles felt like he needed to get them out (laughs) in the marshes.
0: The golden doodles. Those are working dogs, right? Yeah, I figured (laughs) But no. Yeah. Shattuck will be missed this episode. Um,
2: So in in his stead, go ahead. Yeah. I'm just going to try to uh, answer everything as if I am him.
0: Okay, perfect. Could you could you maybe like put on a different shirt so we know when you're speaking as Shadrach and when you're speaking as Drew? That would really help me.
2: Oh, yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> okay, so starting off, I have a question for you guys. Uh, what is the first trend do you remember? And we'll define trend as like, you know, when you and your friends all get into something at the same time, but it only lasts a little bit and then dies out. Uh, I was thinking about this last night. And I remember like, little trends coming through like my elementary school. But the first like big trend I ever remember was silly bands. Yeah. Silly bands? Oh yeah. And it was like in the time of a in the space of a week, all of a sudden everybody had these colorful rubber bands on their wrists. I remember like there were people in my school that had them like from elbow or like from wrist to elbow. Just like and it was the coolest thing. But then within like two weeks, gone.
1: I remember that, craze.
0: So, um,
2: I remember that. And I remember it was kind of an entrepreneurial endeavor for some people. Um, there
0: was a lot of trading.
2: Yeah. The other thing that I remember is the Strong. Bracelet uh, And abandoned my school briefly (laughs) I um, I was so on that one I skipped silly bands But I wrote the live strong wave for sure so much so that There's one picture of me from I don't know probably Third grade I don't know, fourth grade, something like that, where it's my first day of school and my mom took pictures of us on the first day of school, um, like with our backpacks on, whatever. And I'm there with like my new school year shirt and, uh, and my backpack on and I have like probably 10 to 20 Livestrong bracelets on one wrist and i was feeling fly
1: i bet you were (laughs) are those like the are those the bracelets that like help you with balance or are
2: those are those are a different thing because i remember
1: that was a phase as well
2: yeah, they said that there was some special metal or magnetism to him or something that like, yeah, centered you.
1: Yeah, I never, I never bought into that. I was too skeptical. But what I do remember. It? I remember, uh, wheelies or is it heelies?
2: Oh, heelies! Gosh, don't yeah, call them freaking wheelies. <laughs> wheelies dude that is a great throwback (laughs) i feel like if i was a if i as a little kid had known um the phrase okay boomer i just would have said okay boomer uh, (laughs) to you right there grant that's what everyone called them when they were kicking me out of home depot wheelies
1: (laughs) wheelies
0: You got kicked out of I don't know if you remember this, but my senior year, you might have been. I think you were gone already. But my senior year, me and a couple of friends started wearing heelys around Penticton Regional High School, and we got them rebanned because we were just like <laughs> slingshotting around corners and stuff. Um, and uh, we got them like rebanned, and then we would like have to like really subtly wheelie around, just like. Whoosh, you know, like around corners and stuff. Yeah, just a uh, little. We didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, just just little, like
2: little, little runs. <laughs> I think I did hear about that. Yeah, I got kicked out of all sorts of places because when I had them, it was like I was right in the wave of the trend, and people were furious about them. Um,
0: it was like skateboarding, but you could do it anywhere such versatile things. I think I'm going to wear them in the hospital so I can get to, like, emergencies faster. (laughs) Yeah. They're a
2: great idea. they're... I mean, I get it, you know. I get why they worked.
1: They don't seem... I I remember wearing... I I remember having a pair and I remember walking and it just, like, was not comfortable to walk in.
0: Those okay, were like yeah, so that gen is Yulies. one consideration. first-gen Yulis were, like, wearing high heels. Um, <laughs> and then you just, you just had to pop the wheels out, and you were fine. If you popped them out, you were good. You kept them in your yeah. pocket, you popped them in for a quick Zoom sesh, popped them out for class.
2: I remember the soles on mine were still, like, real thick. Like, even with the wheel out. Was that the first-gen thing? Like, have they, like, iterated on this? Were the ones you had more recently better?
0: Um they've gotten fl- slimmer because yeah like it used to be like the whole wheel compartment was in the heel of the shoe, so you're you're basically wearing like platforms you know mm-hmm. um but healy I, you know correct me if I'm wrong I think they're still in business and I think they're still making these shoes um, I'm sure let I me look get a pair honestly um yeah. and Grant, what you're looking at up uh, our topic for today is influencers broadly you know it's a very broad uh topic Um, and specifically, I guess just the rise of, uh, people on social media who that's their job, because growing up, you know, I don't think that really existed. Like if you asked my friends in kindergarten and and first grade, what you wanted to be influencer wasn't a word, you know, it was like fireman, astronaut, doctor, you know, um, kind of the typical answers, but as I've like talked to younger kids now through like volunteering and things like that like a common answer i'll get to what do you want to be is i want to be a youtuber i want to be an influencer um it's kind of this rise of celebrities but they're more accessible because they stream or video every aspect of their life you know um so, so i guess broadly what are your thoughts on influencers
2: hmm the only thing that like I immediately think about is I think it's so interesting how impactful some of these personal brands have become. Um, and I think influencers are starting to realize that and step more into it like, early days of influencers, I remember it, it was mostly about just building the follower count, whatever the number of subscribers on YouTube. And then like you could get monetized through the platform or, um, do like your own ads within your content. And like, I remember even just seeing people doing their own ads within the content seemed kind of smart or doing like a sponsored video or something like that. And I thought that was pretty innovative, but now influencers are taking it a step further and like building whole brands around themselves and stuff like that. I mean, there's like Mr. Beast Burger, right? Is that what it's called? Or yeah. is it just Beast Burger? I don't know. So, and there's, there are several things like that. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know, as, as a principal, I like when people have more options, um, like for work, like I, I've, I feel like it's a, it's really exciting that people can choose, you know, these kind of alternative lifestyles and life, uh, I guess, alternative careers. I just am worried, like, how long is this going to like, is there, is there a bubble that's going to burst? Like, are these people? like these teenagers coming out of high school, uh, that don't go to college or don't go to trade schools, don't really have any skills besides, you know, having an online presence, like, is that, is that sustainable for, you know, their whole careers? Um, and I know some, some people like Mr. Beast, like he's going to be fine for the rest of his life. Um, but like, what about like those people who, you know, devote a lot of time to it and it doesn't work out. Um, I know it's, it's kind of like a low risk thing. Like all, it just takes time. Um, for most people, like most people don't invest a lot of money into it, but I also wonder, like, I don't know what the, the long term effects of this will be like, is that just, is everyone going to be like an influencer in the future? Um, Like you go to work, like, will we even like, will most people be influencers? Like, it seems like there's a certain point where there has to be like a level of consumers and and then the creators. So I, I don't know. I don't know
2: what it'll look like. I, I have a thought on this. Um, so just you talking about whether it's a bubble got me thinking. And I think one of the things that I've, that, well, let me put it this way. Influencers and celebrities in the traditional sense of celebrities, the, the mega influencers and celebrities I think are like converging. Right. Like I think the whole Kardashian phenomenon is really interesting Because they're kind of from this other, like, traditional celebrity world. But I think they've actually leveraged social media to build their brands, mostly. And so they've converged hugely in, like, one, you know, group of influencers. Which they're just a totally weird weird case in and of themselves. Um, But, like... I think the majority of influencers are actually going more niche um, and more, like, specific. And so I don't know if there will be a bubble because, like, I have some really specific interests that I think wouldn't have been serviceable via, like, TV or some of these like old media channels that now like one one person or one small group, group of people can service this niche through social media and it does work because the distribution costs have lowered so much. Um, and there's just more bandwidth. So that's interesting and we can talk specifics of that um I guess that doesn't answer the question of whether or not it's a bubble. Um, But I think that's like a sustaining sort of driving force of the influencer thing is a lot of more of this niche content with a larger group of people.
0: That's a really good point. I actually didn't think about that a ton, but it's, it's super applicable. Like one of my favorite guys on YouTube to watch is an ophthalmologist who makes like medical school humor. Um, and the humor is, it's really funny if you understand kind of a culture, surrounding medical school and classes you take and things like that. Um, and that would have never made a good TV show, you know, because the average consumer isn't in medical school, <laughs> you know, like, but his target audience, he's able to reach them through YouTube. You know, he's got a, he's got a pretty good following and uh, his humor is super niche. Um, so that's a great point. I didn't really think about that, but it's, it's totally true. You know, people are kind of refining their content. I think there's still always going to be creators who try to appeal to everyone. Um, and, uh, I feel like to do that is really difficult. I think I personally kind of think that bubble is already kind of popped of where it's different. It's like, you want to try to make a YouTube channel and be famous on a worldwide level. That's going to be very difficult. Um, just because we've kind of already seen this explosion of YouTube channels, everybody watches, um, and I'm sure the amount of money you the, the amount of money you have to
2: give away through various competitions is just absurd. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> it's just not sustainable to give away ten thousand dollars to that many homeless people.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Sorry, I cut you off. Was that your full? Uh, point. Okay. So yeah, it's really interesting. I um my, my niches right now of people that I follow. Um, actually the biggest one is this, uh, this family that have, um, draft horses. So work, working horses, you know, like farm horses, uh, that they use to do all their farming on their family farm and they just just vlog what they're doing with the horses and like how they do everything and it's pretty interesting to me at least I think it's probably not broadly interesting to people but it's a niche that's working you know I think they have like you know they have a decent decent following and they're starting to sell some of their own stuff. They have like uh, a calendar that they're selling, um, <laughs> some T-shirts, something like that.
0: Do you do you own this calendar?
2: No, I it haven't. It hasn't gone that far for me quite yet. But <laughs> I would be starstruck if I met them for sure. Part of what's oh. endearing about the channel is it's it's uh, this couple. They're probably in their late 50s or 60s um, and they're not super tech savvy and and their their daughters run the channel for them basically is what it looks like um, so yeah it's, it's just interesting and actually I think we need more of that we need people to go and use their their knowledge of the digital world to document some of this stuff that goes undocumented it's just interesting that these daughters were like you know my parents have this really interesting life maybe we should create a vlog out of this and they like got their parents to start videoing things and they just edit the videos and put them up on the channel it's interesting
0: grant i have a i have a question for you yeah um are there law school influencers um
1: Yeah. There's, there's like a few like legal channels. Um, like there's legal Eagle. Um, he's probably the biggest one. He kind of like talks about, like he talked about like the Johnny Depp defamation trial. Um, sometimes he talks about like current issues and kind of explains them. But, um, other than that, there's just a lot of, um, cases like, Channels that explain different cases um, and kind of like the implications of the cases, the rules that we need to know. So I haven't I haven't explored too many, but uh, I, I I remember looking up like law school or something and there's like thousands of results. There's even like people who do like here's a day in the life of a Harvard law student and like i don't know they they have like millions of views um there's even some like professors who have channels who like literally just like i guess they don't get enough teaching uh just regular classes <laughs> they want to teach online too um which is pretty phenomenal um that they they do that but there's yeah thousands of videos if if you just look up law school or law student like or even just like a specific case, like there's three or four people who do videos on, on any
0: case. So it's right. pretty cool. That's cool. they um, if you look up day in the life of a medical student, you'll see about 3 million results on YouTube. Um, <laughs> and me and my classmates kind of talked about this, uh, it, it, it's really funny to see some of these videos and they're like getting up at 5 a.m and they're working out for an hour and a half. And then they're going to lecture and they're taking these like color-coded, beautiful notes. Yeah. Um, and then they're like hanging out with their friends. They're studying at a coffee shop. And afterward, they're going to like a, a late night review. And then they like wind down with like a bottle of wine or something. It's just like this very like <laughs> idealized lifestyle. And if you look at the comments on these videos, um, it's not medical students watching these videos. I don't want to watch somebody Do what I do every day. (laughs) That's not interesting to me. It's all—it's usually pre-med and high school students that have kind of idealized this medical school life, Um, and these videos kind of like pander to that audience. You know, it—it because the reality of med school is is not that. (laughs) You know, it's not that. Um, And there are some there are some people who vlog daily as medical students that I think do it a lot better than others. Um, those ones that are very genuine in their like presentation of uh of like the reality of med school how difficult it is but also in like the reality but you can still have fun blah 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 blah. um and i i will watch those videos because i do think it's interesting some of them explore different specialties and things like that um but it's just so interesting to me when i see one of those videos that differs so sharply from the reality i experience and i immediately know that person's not genuine and i won't watch them like I just don't watch any other, other videos. I'm like, how do I know any of this is actually from the heart? Um, which thinking about it is kind of a major factor in the influencers I actually pay attention to. If I feel someone's like genuine, um, I'm much more likely to like pay attention to them. Uh, this is kind of a this is kind of a dark episode in create in history or or this this podcast, um, friends of this podcast, but one night we got hooked on a YouTube channel and watched probably, <laughs> and probably watched six straight hours of this guy. Um, and we found, we thought it was so cool. We thought it was so cool. Um, and we found out at the end of the night, that all the videos were scripted with actors and it was like <laughs> a punch to the gut. Dude. Do you remember how depressed we were? I was like legitimately like, wow. Like I just wasted a night of my life thinking this guy was genuine, you know. And I have never watched one of his videos again because I'm so angry. <laughs> like he <literally> hoodwinked <laughs> me, man. Oh, <laughs> we, <laughs> um,
2: yeah, we need to say his name just to save others from the same fate. Um, what is it? Patty Mayo. Patty it's Mayo. Patty Mayo. He's
0: not. He's not a cop. He's not a lot. He's not like a bounty hunter. We thought it was so cool. This dude like vlogging his crazy bounty hunter adventures. It's all scripted. It's all actors. Every single person in that video is an actor, and it was the most disillusioning moment of my life to find that out.
2: Well, here was the very best part of it. He, um, yeah. So this guy's a fake bounty hunter. That's how his channel started. He was he would do these fake like scripted like bounty hunting videos like dog the bounty hunter style content um you know you get a little action whatever um and we should have known i mean he even had (laughs) catchphrases (laughs) when he would switch (laughs) when he would switch from a, a, a pistol to a taser he would say i'm going less i'm going less
0: um and, and the then, worst part was we were so hoodwinked and so just dis- i remember at one point in one of the episodes it's absurd There's like a man with a flamethrower like trying to <laughs> torch them and like i remember thinking wow like that's crazy that he's not calling for backup or he's not like i'm so surprised they're not just trying to shoot this guy like he's trying to kill him with a flamethrower that should have been a red flag i should have <laughs> i should have thought more critically in that moment
1: well, at that time, James had to th- his uh, rescind his application from uh, Bounty Hunter School.
0: I know, and the five hundred dollars fee was not refundable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, you. Can, well, the read, funny Andrew.
2: thing is, James had his computer. James had his computer on his lap, looking up how to how to become a bounty hunter. I don't think he was very serious about it, but like he really wanted to know. But I think the worst part of the whole thing is that we watched like a bazillion of this guy's videos. And then some of his more recent videos are of him as a sheriff. And we were like, this is amazing. He started as a bounty hunter, managed to get elected sheriff. Like look, look how far he's come. Look at this guy, It's it's just remarkable. We were so happy for him. Oh my gosh, we got hoodwinked for sure.
1: Well, What's that intu- leads.
2: I just think the rawness of the videos kind of was sort of. Uh, I don't know. That's what got us. Like they weren't like they weren't perfect. In retrospect, the storyline stories that were told in the videos were kind of perfect. You know, he always won, sort of thing. But And yeah, somebody got always us. got
0: tased. Oh yeah. Somebody always got tased.
1: So that reminds me, when we were all roommates, we had, so Drew had a TV and Shadrack had an Apple TV that we could access YouTube on. And I think that was like a big aspect of our like wind down. Uh, Like that's how we would like chill at the end of the day. Usually someone would have, you know, something on the TV. Sometimes it was like one of Drew's random niche, uh, interests on the tv um but sometimes we'd like all sit down and watch like youtube together um there were i don't know if we want to get into this now but there was a few uh channels that i think we all got into um like i think we were all kind of inspired by them too um i think the first one i don't remember the first one that we got like super into
2: i think it was casey neistat I yeah. think, because I, I was into that like before we lived together, and probably introduced one or two of you to it. Although some of you probably seen his stuff before. Um, well, he's I, an interesting think... case. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, but yeah, go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say like his uh, his style of youtubing made us want to make a YouTube channel which we did uh crew A. I i think it's in the link of this of this uh podcast episode um and uh that kind of inspired us to go on some fun adventures and i think it really kind of like solidified our friendship because i, I don't know if the people listening know but drew and i knew each other like we we were friends in high school um but we didn't know grant or shadrach at all and grant and shadrach did not know each other Um, so it was just kind of like really serendipitous that all of us got along and all of us became such good friends. And I honestly think a big part of that was like this, we watched Casey Neistat and how just how incredibly well done his videos are. And that, that could be a whole nother episode of why I think his videos are so appealing. Um, but, and then just like being like, okay, yeah, we can do this. Like, let's try it. And we, we totally did. Like we got, we rented some cameras from the uh, library on campus. And, and like
2: Shadrach did... paid, Shadrach spent oh, yeah. like $3,000 on equipment. <laughs>
0: well, We didn't ask him to do that. Shadrach just kept buying stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was into he was into buying stuff.
0: Um, Sorry. But yeah, I think that's a big, no, I just think that's a big kind of part of our origin story as friends is bonding over Casey. I mean, I remember that on Saturday mornings when you guys would leave me alone so I'd clean the house, um, I would just play Casey Neistat. Like, and it was just going, no, I've seen, I've seen all of his videos probably two or three times just from those Saturday mornings alone. Yeah. Let me make
2: a note about the Saturday mornings alone. Um, at a certain point, we discovered that if we all just vanished on Saturday mornings um, and left James, uh, the apartment alone, we'd come back and it would be sparkling clean. It's remarkable. <laughs> I'm proud to say, I don't think we ever deliberately uh, took advantage of that, but that happened fairly frequently and it was, it was nice. It was a nice phenomenon.
0: I don't know. I just, uh, I didn't have much to do on Saturday mornings, except I just would kind of start cleaning and like Casey, it was like this like Zen moment, like Casey and I got to play like I'm just sitting there doing dishes, vacuuming. It was like a flow. It was great, dude. Honestly, I miss that. I miss those Saturday morning cleaning sessions.
1: So some people may not know who Casey Neistat is, but he's this filmmaker um, in New York and he, he has a very distinctive personality and kind of brand, but anyway, he literally just like films his days. So he's like, like an influencer of like, I don't think it's like, um, like, I don't think it's his intentions to be like an influencer like, I think his intention is to, like, make cool videos. And, like, I don't know if his intention is to, like, inspire people to make cool videos, but um, it works. Like, uh, half of his videos are, like, cool shots of New York or of him, like, riding his uh, boosted board through the streets or just, like, traveling, going to different, like, film conventions and stuff and speaking there. But anyway, it was... Um, every once in a while, like he, he stopped making videos for like a year or two, like it was a long time. And I was like, I, I missed that. And then all of a sudden he started making videos again. And it's like the best thing ever.
0: Well, yeah. and what, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Drew. Well,
2: I was just going to say the thing that most strikes me about his videos and he, by the way, he, he, he liked to find the vlogging category, right? The like selfie stick, hold the camera out, whatever. I don't think he used a selfie stick. He had like, he has like a, a very specific setup, but, um, he wasn't filming much. He was just filming his day, but he, he made it interesting. So I'd be interested to talk a little bit about his success, like why it worked, like what was his recipe?
0: I think part of it he he filmed everything, you know, and because of that, his videos were fairly continuous. Like he could take you on an adventure, and you could and you would feel that you were going along. You didn't feel like there were these big jumps in the dialogue, you know. Like the storyline is very continuous. But I think one of the things he does is he content and everything. Like uh one of his newer videos was about him putting a door in his workshop. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was literally mm-hmm. that was the video. He put a door in a wall. And it was so entertaining to watch. And it's just because like he films the whole process of it. He's got a very distinctive personality. He's kind of talking as he's doing it. Um and so you kinda forget he's building this door. You're like you're just kind of like along in this whirlwind of him doing things, you know? Um, But I think a big part of his recipe kind of circling back to what I said earlier was of him being genuine. You know, he, I, 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 you know, I, I don't think he's in it to be famous. You know, he, his story, which would take forever to tell, but basically he, you know, loved making videos. That was his thing. And he had a, what was an HBO show in Neistat Brothers way back way back when um but his passion is basically just making videos um and he's actually he's kind of pivoted to where he's trying to help other people make videos he's got other companies that kind of bring creators together uh to collaborate and things like that um but yeah it's it's a it's a really interesting story
1: yeah i think he is entertaining to watch um because I I don't know, like, I don't know much about his like personal life, but I genuinely think he's like a good solid person. Um, who's overcome a lot of adversity through his life. You know, I, here's the thing I have no idea. Maybe that's totally fake, but at least, um, like coming away from the videos, sometimes I, I feel inspired to like go and do stuff, get outside, like go talk to people. Um, you know, I don't always necessarily do that after like watching YouTube, but I feel more inspired to to be like him because I think he's a cool person Um and I like the things that he does. So whether or not like uh, I, it, I guess whether or not I recognize that he does influence me in a way because I kind of want to be like him. Um So that's my thought.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the work ethic and determination and, um, you know, commitment to goals and dreams and things like that that he demonstrates on the channel is something that makes him really admirable. And I actually really appreciated the fact when he made it really consistently like, every other type of video I would watch, it would be, like, I watch it, and then I just slide down this hill of watching a, a whole bunch more content. But his, like, I would watch it, and I was like, okay, I got to do something. It, it made me, like, want to take action. Um, but the one thing I'll say about him, I guess, before maybe the conversation moves away from this that I think is important... Is he has figured out this way of sort of um, after the fact scripting the mundane through his editing. He's really, he really pays attention to story. And there are certain, uh, you know, universal elements of stories. Stories have a really consistent structure. And you learn that as like a little kid but you kind of forget it as an adult. Um, but he has like that, you know, like really etched into his being and, and he, he finds ways, like, I think James, you were talking about the door. He, he kind of sets it up. He's like, Oh, I have this issue where I need to be able to go over to this other space and, well, you know, and then talks about solving the problem with this door and shows, you know, solving the problem. And, He creates this whole arc out of something mundane, you know, which is interesting because we tend to think that, you know, content that we're going to enjoy consuming needs to be spectacular. But it seems like it. even if you can just find story in these simple things, um, people will go along for the story with you.
1: Do you think that's why The Office is so popular? Because it's kind of finding the the joys in the mundane?
2: Well, I don't know. The Office ha- has so much like absurd stuff. Even some of the characters are pretty unrealistic. Um, so that complicates that analogy a little bit. But I think there's some of it. I think the office always felt like cozy to people. I don't know. There's, I think there's definitely felt simple. some of that. like like yeah. the
0: office, you know, obviously there's these kind of big arcs, but you can watch an episode and basically know that Dwight's gonna be Dwight, Michael's gonna be Michael, and Jim and Pam are gonna be Jim and Pam. You know, like uh so kinda of, does bring back to like the mundane, you know, the characters tend to do what the characters do. And there's these big arcs of, of characters changing and things like that. Um, but in general, if you watch one episode with Dwight and four seasons later watch another random episode, he'll behave pretty similarly, you know. And I think that's, uh, I mean, The Office would be probably a whole other episode of, of, yeah. of Dwight. I think it's one of the best TV shows ever. But um, what you said about Casey Neistat was really interesting in that he, he – uh, I think he narrates very well too. He does things and and he explains them in a way that you understand what he's doing. I think that's something a lot of content creators miss is the fact that um, narrating the story helps bridge that continuity. So even though his videos are jumping all over New York City, you know, these beautiful drone shots to zipping through the streets, the continuity is him sharing whatever story he's sharing. And that ties the whole thing in together.
2: Yeah. So when you were teaming this up, Grant, you, you, you said like, maybe there were a few influencers that we kind of shared during that period of our lives. Are there others that you had in mind?
1: Oh yeah. Um, I think the other big one was Yes Theory. I think we that besides Casey Neistat, Yes Theory was the one channel that like helped us get outside of our apartment doing stuff. I think you know they also had a big influence on our YouTube channel. Um, and so Yes Theory is like a group of three guys. Now it's 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 gotten a little bit bigger, but these guys met, um, had, like. I don't even remember what it was, but they, they met at some convention or or something and they lived together for a little bit. And then they started this YouTube channel together and it's just grown steadily. Um, and so I guess, I don't know if we just related with them, but they're, um, I don't know if we related to them because of their backstory or because of their content or a mixture of both, but their big thing was seek discomfort get out of your comfort zone that's that's where the fun um that's where the fun is getting outside of your comfort zone
2: all right so i told Shadrach something about yes theory i feel like it's time for you guys to know this i really deeply dislike yes theory
1: <laughs> drop this bomb the truth on us comes
0: out the truth comes out i i will be honest i i I still watch Casey Neistat whenever he posts a new video. I haven't watched a yesterday video in probably two years. Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint why I I don't know why I just kind of stopped clicking on their new videos and kind of fade away. But Grant, I do think they originally kind of inspired our content. I think Casey Neistat really appealed to our, like how beautiful his videos were. His videos are just gorgeous to watch you know, you can mute them and watch the video and, and have a good time. Um, but then I think the content of yes theory, which is all about like doing cool things, because why not, you know, like, why shouldn't we just in the middle of the semester, go up to Idaho and try to surf the sand dunes, you know? Um, which is one of our videos, if you want to go check it out. <laughs> but, um, I do think the content of yes theory kind of motivated us, but yeah, I don't know why but I haven't watched them in a while. Maybe Drew, you have some. Insight on this?
2: Well, the reason, I mean, I never liked them. I will admit the videos can be compelling in that cheap, like, social media sort of way. Um, but one I felt I felt it was so ridiculous that they thought they were so deep and profound um, <laughs> because of this yeah. one really basic idea, and they were like they they pressed it they pressed the point so hard that it was like a, almost quasi religion or something or like the they talked about it that way as if it had that kind of depth to it. Um, and that just, that rubbed me wrong, and, and so I, I, I felt like they were kind of arrogant, like, like they had had a, an arrogant air about them, some of, some of the members of the group more than others, um, and then also I thought it was like, so hedonistic or hedonistic, I don't know, how you say that um but like because you know they were saying that they had this this deep uh important concept but really what they were doing was just running around the world on cool trips yeah Um, showing off yeah and so i don't know i didn't like it at all um always rubbed me wrong Which is, yeah, anyway, which is kind of, I don't know, that's kind of why I was probably a foot dragger on a lot of our videos, Um, because I, (laughs) yeah, I I didn't want to be them.
1: The truth comes out, this is why. Yeah, uh... we're
2: getting deep here, we're about to get into a screaming match. No, I'm just kidding. No,
1: no. i I think the I mean this I think our videos should be a whole nother episode of like the impetus the execution and then the like the failure to keep going i I think it'd be interesting to to, to look at it but I think there were a lot of reasons we just I don't know if anyone was like super committed maybe there was one or two people super committed but like I, I think we all just kind of got busy and like, we kind of just like, and we didn't have, we didn't have time to edit. James was really our only editor and editing videos takes forever. Um yeah. so I don't blame that blame him at all for like slowing down because it's tough, but it seems like we just kind of had fun doing it and then we kept having fun without recording. So I think we kind of just yeah
0: moved on. We basically just stopped recording. I, I do think that's a key aspect of it. I think, you know, I think it just got, it got unwieldy to try to record all the stuff we were doing. Cause I think we had a lot of really fun adventures after we were video, like post when we were trying to videotape everything. And I wonder if those would have been as special or fun, had we been so intent on videoing every moment of it. Um, and yeah, cause I, I like, I had a lot of fun making those videos. I had, I had a blast doing that. Um, but like the whole time we were doing it, like doing those videos, it was less on, I felt less like, Oh, I'm doing this to have fun with my buddies and more like, Oh, I'm doing this to make a cool video, you know? Um, and so I, I feel like there were certainly moments where we kind of pushed, I don't know. I just I, like looking back on the videos, they're, they're fun to watch and they bring back great memories, <laughs> but, uh, I have, I have even better memories of stuff we did not recorded just cause it was much more organic. It was much more like, you know, we're sitting around talking and we're like, well, why don't we just, why don't we go do this? And you know, we went and did it, but, uh, yeah, that would be a really interesting episode. Maybe we should talk about that next week. Is the, the rise and fall of crew at YouTube channel.
2: Yeah. And you know what I'll say, I will say, um, now having a little bit more perspective, um, I still don't think I would have wanted to you know, have a large following through those videos, but I actually think it would have worked if we'd stuck with it. Um, But it's neither here nor there. I do think, um,
1: I think we found a good spot with our podcast and I think we're all kind of same committed about it. And I think what we lacked in the videos was consistency. And I think that's what, uh, what we've, we have going for the, for the podcast. So.
2: Well, that is the number one thing. Um, maybe not number one, but it's like super high up on the list in terms of being successful with producing content. Um, and, and Casey was the king of that uh, when he was doing his vlogs. Every single day he put out something of really high quality. Um, and And he may have gotten burnt out from that. So I don't know that that level of intensity is sustainable for a single person, but um, when you look at people that succeed as influencers, which is inter- just an interesting topic, one of the things that they tend to share is really, really consistent content. Um, yeah, and it's it's actually... Having failed a little bit with the YouTube channel and being more consistent with this now, it's interesting to learn um, the mindset that you have to have around that. I also
1: was going to say really quick, one of the reasons I think we have been consistent is because Drew made a psychological contract uh, with us and with himself. Um, And I think we all made that contract to... Commit to, you know, these weekly uh, podcasts, um, and I think that's that's been a game changer, at least now. Yeah, it's been working awesome.
0: Well, I think Jerry, you brought up such a great point. You know, whenever you, whenever whenever somebody's like, oh, there's this YouTube channel I love, or oh, there's this podcast I love, that podcast, YouTube channel, media source. Is putting things out consistently. I've never had somebody tell me, "Oh, you got to go check this channel out," and it's like they post irregularly every other month, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting. I, and I think consistency is is a a a um underappreciated virtue when it comes to success as an influencer, as a entrepreneur, as a law student, as a medical student. Um, Drew, you look like you want to jump in. I did you did you listen to that thing that I sent you? I'll be honest. I meant to listen on the way to class, and then Amanda drove me. In, so no, I did not. Okay,
2: no, it's fine. You gotta listen to it. Um, this this is the stuff that I get excited about. So I'm going there, even though it's not not quite the topic <laughs> of the video. But um, so th- this was a talk by Jim Collins who's uh, kind of a really famous business thinker. And he forms the, the basis of the talk around <clears throat> this race to um, get to the South Pole that happened between um, these these two explorers, the, the last name's Scott and Amundsen. Um, I, I can't remember the full names. But basically, Scott fails, Amundsen succeeds. And one of the main things that Jim Collins talks about um, is one of the main points that he makes is Amundsen said every day we're going to march 15 to 20 miles without fail good conditions bad conditions it's 15 to 20 whereas Amundsen said I'm just going to hunker down when it's bad conditions and then when it's good conditions I'm going to go as far as I can in that day and he talked about how Amundsen would end up overextending himself on days, getting into trouble at the end of the day because he had gone too far and hadn't taken the time to set up camp. Um, or, you know, the good conditions wouldn't come fast enough and he'd, he'd lose a ton of days because he didn't press during the bad conditions. Whereas Amundsen was just 15 to 20 miles every day. And his team just marched it out every day, every day, 15 to 20. And... Uh, That is so huge in life. It's just being consistent, like great things don't happen all at once. I'll talk
0: right afterward. Well, I think um, we so uh, sometimes we talk to like the school sets up to talk to like pre-medical students or high school students that are interested in career medicine. And the question we'll often get is like, what's the key to success in medical school? And my answer every time is consistency. Um, the people that do well routinely, every exam that pass very easily, that have time to do their friends, they're the people who every single day, regardless of workload, study something like, so every day, I have very little like homework. I don't really have assignments very much, but every single day I'm studying two to three hours, past content, present content, previewing ahead lectures. Um, think that is so vital to not only doing well in medical school my chance but like i have time to see my family and i have time to hang out with oliver and my wife um and uh, that's because that consistency just keeps adding up you know and you never have to worry about if you're going to get something done you know that you'll have time to do it um but maybe i don't know I feel like I've said this a couple times during this episode, but like, yeah, that would be, that's another good episode we should do. And <laughs> I feel like it's so valuable.
2: Yeah. I, I actually, I'll say one more piece on it. Um, even though we're totally off topic now, although I think this gets to the core of our podcast of, you know, us comparing notes on life and trying to figure things out. Right. Um, I think that's a big transition that's happened for me going into my adult years. It's just realizing like great things uh, don't happen all at once. You have to get up and march every day towards your goals. And even more so that, you know, really great things, the really like outlier type of outcomes, require just a ridiculous amount of of um discipline around being consistent anyway that's i'll I'll end my rant that's something i feel so strongly about though
0: well i i've uh i've loved the direction the conversation took (laughs) you know i think um i think just Summon it all up, you know, the influencers we let into our lives is important. You know, people, people, the way we talk about Casey and I said influenced us, even though we didn't really consider him an influencer, you know, Grant brought up, we wanted to be like him. So we wanted to make videos um, and just wrapping it up with a bow of consistency. That was great. Great thoughts, Drew. And I, I promise I'll listen to that talk or that uh, that speech right after this. No pressure. It's a good one, though.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think somehow, um, yeah, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, I, I have chosen the people I let into my life. Uh, I've chosen them carefully, whether, you know, uh, real people that I know and also the people that I watch and consume their media. I think that's important. Um, and there's some, yeah, there's been some people that I've, I've, started to realize I, I don't, uh, I don't feel inspired by them or I don't aspire to be like them. So, um, so I, I stopped watching their stuff. Um, anyway, um, yeah, th- that's my thoughts. I think, uh, any last thoughts, Drew, before we wrap it up?
2: That's a great last point about editing your media diet. I'm not great about it. I should probably be more careful around that. Um, but yeah, that's it for me, it's just a good one, thanks guys.